0: As you've been seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Judges chapter fifteen. We are continuing in our heroes sermon series. God has been challenging us, encouraging us, and teaching us through the example of our Old Testament friend Samson for the past few weeks. I hope you have come to love and appreciate Samson as much as I have during our study of Samson together. Samson was a man of blessings and burdens, a man of great strength and weakness. He was a man who understood the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Samson is a man God is using today to bless and inspire us And so I want us to reset the scene, so to speak, uh, so that we can get all that God has for us to get from our time of study in his word this morning. The seventh point God has taught us so far about Samson is Samson was strengthened by God. Samson was strengthened by God because God had plans for Samson. Samson was strengthened by God even though Samson walked in sin and disobedience to God. Samson was strengthened by God to fulfill the plans and purposes of God. God's purpose and plan for Samson was to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. God strengthened Samson to kill the lion with his bare hands, to kill the 30 Philistines in Ashkelon, to kill the 1,000 Philistines at Lehi. In each of these occasions, the Scripture said the Spirit of the Lord took control of him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. The Spirit of the Lord broke forth from Samson. Samson was strengthened by God to do God's work. We will begin our time today in God's Word in Judges chapter 15 at the point where Samson is sitting in the cave at Atom. He is sitting in the cave at Atom after having killed the Philistines who were responsible for killing his first wife and his mother-in-law. The Philistines found out about this. They were angry with Samson. They were searching for Samson because they wanted to kill Samson. And so they raided the Israelite town of Lehi and the tribal allotment to Judah, and the men of Judah, 3,000 men of Judah came out and they were wondering what's going on. They asked the Philistines, what's happening? Why is this happening? Why are you raiding us? What's going on? And they said, we are looking for Samson. We want Samson. We want to kill Samson. And they said, ho oh, oh, ho, okay, okay. We will go get Samson and we will bring him back to you. And so 3,000 men from Judah left and went to find Samson. They found Samson sitting in the cave at Atom, and they talked with Samson there, and they told Samson, you're coming with us. We're going to bind your arms together, and we're taking you back to the Philistines to hand, them, hand you over to them. And Samson said, well, just, that's fine. Just don't kill me. Promise me you won't kill me. And they said, we're not going to kill you, but the Philistines are going to kill you. They're not happy with you. And so they bound Samson's hands tightly securely or so they thought and they brought samson back to the philistines we pick up in verse 14 when they came to lahi the philistines came to meet him shouting spirit of the lord took control of of him that being samson and the ropes that were on his arms became like burnt flax and his bonds fell off his wrists he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey reached out his hand took it and killed a thousand men with it God strengthened Samson to fulfill his purpose for Samson, which was to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. We continue now in verse 16. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I have piled them up in a heap. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed 1,000 men. Now let's make some observations here. Samson is excited. Samson, we can share here, is feeling the thrill of victory. Samson took credit here for his victory over the Philistines. Samson said, I have piled the Philistines up in a heap. I have killed 1,000 men. God gave Samson the strength he needed to gain the victory over the Philistines. Notice here again, God strengthened the one man Samson against the many Philistines. God strengthened the one man Samson against the many Philistines. The Israelites at this time, we know from our previous study in chapter 15, were living in fear of the Philistines rather than by faith in God. If you remember back in verse 11, when the Israelites, when the men from Judah came to Samson at the cave in a tomb in a tomb, and they said, "Hey, Samson, what are you doing? Why did you cause all this? Why did you stir up the Philistines against us?" They were living in fear of the Philistines. God wanted the three thousand men from Judah who watched Samson kill the thousand Philistines at Lahi and all of Israel, including Samson, to turn back to God, to trust in God, because God was the one who was strengthening Samson. God used Samson. He spoke through Samson. He spoke through this battle at Lehi, And what he was telling the Israelites, what he was telling the men of Judah, he was saying this simple truth, as I was with Samson, so I'll be with you. As I strengthened Samson, so I will strengthen you. Do not live in fear of the Philistines. Place your faith in me. And the same is true for you and me today. God does not want us to live in fear of someone or something. God wants us to live by faith in him. God wants us to know that he is with us and that he will strengthen us. Therefore, there is nothing for us to fear There is no one for us to fear. There is no reason for us to be afraid because our God is the great and almighty God and he is with us and he will strengthen us. And we see this throughout God's word. Paul told Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So we know this truth. And we find here in verse 16, God was reminding Samson, and the men of Judah, and for that matter, the Israelites of this central truth. We continue reading verse 17. When he finished speaking, that being Samson, he threw away the jawbone and named that place Ramath-lehi. Ramath-lehi literally means the hill of the jawbone. It signified the place where Samson threw away the jawbone he used to kill the Philistines. So we continue in verse 18. He became very thirsty and called out to the Lord. You have accomplished this great victory through your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Okay, this is getting good right now. This is getting real good. Look at this verse. He became very thirsty. Of course he became very thirsty. He just killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Yes, he was thirsty. Completely understandable. Makes sense. And yet here we see in verse 18, I believe some of the things we've been wanting to see throughout our study of Samson. He's making some good decisions. Look at what we see here. Number one, Samson turned to God in his time of need. Samson, as strong as he was, had limits. He had needs. He needed help to quench his thirst. Samson called out to God to help him in his time of need. Secondly, Samson acknowledged God gave him the victory. He said in verse 18, you have accomplished this great victory through your servant. Samson, in his need, humble before God and prayer before God, admitted that God, you gave me the strength that I needed to gain the victory that I gained over the Philistines. We see that Samson acknowledged that he was God's servant. He said, you have accomplished this great victory through your servant. Samson, no doubt, had been taught by his parents from birth that he had a call on his life. Manoah and Miss Manoah no doubt taught Samson. you got a call on your life, son. You've taken these Nazarite vows. God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He'd been taught that he was going to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. And so we know Samson understood this. Samson knew he was a servant of the Lord. Samson also here cried out, he expressed his desperation. He said, must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson cried out to God. He was thirsty, very thirsty, so thirsty he thought he might die. Samson's prayer in verse 18 demonstrated his awareness of and the influence of God's power, God's provision, and God's plan for his life. In verse 18, in this prayer, this prayer of Samson gives us insight into the faith in God that Samson truly had. We see this. We know that Samson was inducted into God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 for a reason. He was inducted there for a reason. He's in the hall for a reason. And we're starting to see some of this in this transitional passage here at the end of chapter 15. Underneath, underneath all his flaws and failures, we're seeing that Samson had a deep, faith in God. He expressed that to the father in verse 18. So we're beginning to see more and more of Samson. We're beginning to see that, hey, maybe this guy's taking a turn. He's now taking a turn for the better. He, he's figuring things out. We continue reading in verse 19. So God split a hollow place in the ground at Lehi, and water came out of it, and Samson drank. His strength returned, and he revived. That is why he named it Ain Hakore, which is in Lehi to this day. Samson had a need. God met his need and provided him water. God struck a hollow place on the ground, and water came out. God met Samson's need. By doing what only God could do. God proved once again that there is no one too great for our God. There is nothing too great for our God. There is no need too great for our God to meet. You see, God does the extraordinary because God is the one true extraordinary God. Amen? And so he does just this. Samson's got a need. He sees his work in Samson moving Samson to this point. So what does God do? He splits a hollow place in the ground. Just like God can do. Splits a hollow place in the ground and provides water for Samson. This sounds similar to another time in Israel's history. You remember that time in Israel's history years before after crossing the Red Sea and being delivered by God from Their bondage in Egypt, the Israelites had moved into the wilderness on the other side of the Red Sea. And what did they begin to do? Almost immediately, once they got on the other side of the Red Sea, once they got into the wilderness, they began to complain to Moses because they were thirsty. We're thirsty. We need something to drink. Moses cried out to God for help. And God told Moses, Moses, take the rod I gave you, strike the rock I tell you, and water will come out. Moses obeyed God. Took the rod, struck the rock, water came out. God blessed the Israelites by giving them water. And so we see this happening again and again and again in God's word and in our lives. God is our provider, amen? Say that with me. God is our provider. Now I want you to say, God is my provider. Ready, let's go. God is my provider. He's not just ours. He's my provider. He's your provider. And so we continue seeing here God does what only God can do. He does a miracle. He, he splits a hollow place in the ground. At he. he gives Samson the water he desperately needed. Scripture says, and Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. Some translations read his spirit returned and his Strength revived, or he revived. So what we know here is we know God restored, God renewed Samson both physically and spiritually. He renewed Samson physically and spiritually. And we see that Samson then, according to the scriptures, he named that place right there where this was going down, he named it Ain Hakore which means the spring of the one who cried out. It means literally the spring of the caller. And so Samson, once again, named this place where this was going on, named this place where God did what only God could do, named this place where, once again, God did the extraordinary, because he's an extraordinary God. He gave it a special name. Why? He says here uh, that this is why he named the Ain hakaray which is in Lehi to this day. He named this place, he recognized this place, he made a memorial to this place, he renamed this place so that this place could serve as a reminder to him and to God's people of Israel, the power of God, the plan of God, the provision of God, and how God answers their prayers. And it remains a reminder to them to this day. Amazing. Samson moving closer and closer. To the Lord and what we see that God had been doing in his life the whole time He's now starting to respond to the Lord As God has been blessing him and working in him and moving in him throughout his life Even when he was turning away from God and kept making the wrong decisions Now we're seeing things pick up here in this passage and then verse 20 and he judged israel 20 years In the days of the philistines Samson had success against the philistines But he did not completely defeat the Philistines. That came later on in uh, the time of the Israelites. Samson had success against the Philistines. However, we see throughout his story that the Philistines continued to battle against uh, the Israelites during Samson's 20 years of leadership as a judge of Israel. Remember, God's purpose for Samson was to begin to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines, which is exactly what God accomplished in and through Samson's life and his commitment to him. And so we see an amazing, amazing passage here at the end of chapter 15. So let's identify some points from this passage. We need to identify some points from this passage Uh, so that we can apply them in our lives today. Again, every time that we get into God's word, God teaches us by his Holy Spirit in us and he teaches us his truth so that we can know his truth, but we don't stop there with just knowledge. He teaches us his truth so we can know his truth and so we can live out his truth in our day-to-day lives so we can put his word into action in our lives. And so there's some points here in this beautiful passage at the end of chapter 15 that are true for you and me today. God wants us to understand these points so that we can focus on him personally personally uh, in regards to his work in our lives through these points, but also so that we can use these points publicly in our ministry those God places around us, those God will place around us uh, this day and this week. The first point we see here is tests and trials often follow victories. Tests and trials often follow victories. Follow me. Samson had just defeated a thousand Philistines at Lahi. A huge victory. And he immediately faced a test of his faith in God. He immediately faced a test of his faith in God. He was thirsty. He was so thirsty, he thought he was going to die. A thousand Philistine soldiers, no problem. A drink of water, big problem. We see this principle throughout God's word. Tests and trials often follow. One example of this is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God who met with and went up against the prophets of Baal and King Ahab on Mount Carmel. We know, according to that story in God's Word, in the Old Testament, Ahab was a king of Israel. Ahab, Scripture says, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He was a very evil king of Israel. Ahab, king Ahab led Israel away from the worship of God into idolatry. King Ahab led Israel to stop worshiping God and to start worshiping the false gods, the idols of Baal and Asherah. God called Elijah his prophet, to lead Israel back to God. God called Elijah and said, I am going to use you, Elijah, to lead my people of Israel back to me. And so that's exactly what God did. He called Elijah. Elijah and King Ahab agreed to a contest. They met one day and they agreed to a contest. The contest was going to determine whose God was the one true God. The contest was going to determine who would be the one God that the Israelites would worship. And so the contest went like this. Each of them agreed that they were going to build an altar. They would take a sacrifice. They would prepare an altar. They would prepare the sacrifice on the altar. And then they would begin to call out to their God. And the God who answered the calls of his people by sending fire down on the altar to consume the altar would obviously be the one true God. And that would be the God that the Israelites should serve. And so... Elijah ever the gentleman said you guys go right on ahead prophets of Baal you go ahead and knock yourself out get going so 450 prophets of Baal got there on Mount Carmel they set up their altar they prepared the sacrifice and they began to call on their God they began to call on Baal and he didn't answer shocker (laughs) he didn't answer I love Elijah for many reasons But here's one of them. It's just awesome. I love this dude. This guy was amazing. So they're going crazy, calling out to Baal. He's not answering. So Elijah decides to give him some encouragement. Here's what Elijah shared with him in 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 27. 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 27. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, Shout loudly, for he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed out on them. All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Elijah trash talked. The prophets of Baal. Baal. I love that. Now, that's not a proof text to, go, to, to build a trash-talking philosophy on. I know it's football season. And there's a lot of trash-talking. Fantasy football season, there's a lot of trash-talking that goes on. I get that. But hey, Elijah here, he's just having some fun. He was having some fun with these prophets of Baal. He started trash-talking. Well, they finished. Nothing happened. It's Elijah's turn. So, Elijah prepared his altar, sacrifice, got with the Father, said, God, would you once again show that you are the one true God? God answered Elijah's prayer, sent fire, consumed the entire altar. God, once again, as he had done over and over again, as he continues to do over and over again to us today, God, once again, at that point in time, showed the Israelites he's the one true almighty God. He's the one God worthy of worship. The Israelites realized it. They gave glory and honor to God the Israelite forces chased down and killed the prophets of Baal and King Ahab made it down off Mount Carmel. Elijah said, there's a storm coming. You need to get down King. And so King Ahab made it down Mount Carmel, got back home to the palace and he talked to the queen, Queen Jezebel. (laughs) Queen Jezebel said, what's up? And uh, King Ahab said, well, here's what happened. Here's what this guy Ahab did. or Here's what this guy Elijah did. And, uh, This is what happened. And Queen Jezebel put a hit out on Elijah. She said, I promise, I give my word that he will be dead by tomorrow. Elijah faced a difficult test of faith immediately after a great victory. He had just defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And not minutes later, he's square face to face with a test of his faith, a trial. Tests and trials often follow victories in our lives today. This is why God, over and over again in his word, this is why God tells us in his scriptures that we're to be spiritually alert. We're to be on guard. We're to be watchful. Our adversary, our enemy of the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. That's why scripture says we need to walk in the spirit, not the flesh. That's why scripture says we need to put on the full armor of God so that we can take his, our stand against him, our enemy's schemes and tactics and temptations. It's why scripture over and over and over again reminds us to stay humble before God. Why? Because tests and trials of our faith often follow victories and great blessings of God in our lives, Remember, God tests and tries our faith to grow us in our faith. God's tests and trials are always for the one same purpose, and that is to grow us in our faith. Satan tempts us to slow our faith. Satan tempts us in God's tests and trials to turn away from God because he wants to slow our faith. Because he is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we need to understand and realize, as Elijah did, as Samson did, in those times of victory, in those times of blessing, we need to understand and realize. We need to keep our heads up, our eyes up. We need to be alert, on guard, self-controlled, ready for action because there is within God's word and within our lives the testimony of trials and tests following those great times of victory and blessing. Second point we see is God uses the tests and trials to keep us humble. God uses those tests and trials to keep us humble. Samson was in a great place. Samson prayed a great prayer. Samson turned to God in his time of need. Samson acknowledged God gave him strength in his victories. Samson acknowledged he was God's servant Samson cried out in desperation to God for his need. Samson rejoiced in God's answer to his prayer. God tested Samson's faith in him after each of Samson's victories, to keep Samson humble so that Samson would trust and depend on God's plan and purposes for his life instead of running around and seeking after his own plans and purposes for his life. God was testing Samson. God was allowing trials to come into Samson's life because God wanted to keep Samson humble so that Samson would then follow him rather than pursuing his own desires and will and wishes. And God tests and tries our faith today to keep us humble. He allows those trials and tests to come into our lives to keep us humble. You see, God has created us in his image. God has saved us by his grace. God has filled us with his spirit. What does that mean? It means this. God knows us, God loves us, God sees us, and God understands us. God knows we are prone God Almighty knows we are prone to take credit for or to relax after spiritual victories and blessings from him. He knows. He knows. We are prone to take credit for our victories. Samson, I have piled them up in a heap. I have killed a thousand men. He knows we're prone (sighs) just to relax. Boy, that was a a great victory. I'm going to kick back now and just chill out. I'm going to take the next week or two off. He knows we're prone to that. So what does God do? He tests and tries our faith to remind us he's God. He tests and tries our faith to keep us on our knees before him. He tests and tries our faith to help us trust and depend on him. He tests and tries our faith to urge us to walk by faith in him. Why? What's the reason? The reason is this. We need God's help to live God's way every day, every step of our day. We need God's help to live God's way. Samson needed God's help to live God's way. He continued to test and try Samson because he wanted Samson to finally understand and realize, which Samson's given some indication here at the end of chapter 15, that he's getting it, that he understands and realizes he does need God. He does need God's strength because God's the one in charge. God is the leader. He's simply the follower, the servant. And God wants us to understand that we need his strength to live his way every day. We're aware of that in our challenging times. We're aware of that in our times of need. We're aware of that when we're in those times of difficulty. But when we've come off a spiritual victory, when we've come off a spiritual high, when we've seen the blessings of God in our lives, those are the moments when, in those moments of prosperity, in those moments of blessing that we are prone to kind of pull back. Take credit ourselves, maybe just relax a little bit. You see, as we humble ourselves before God, he lifts us up in his time. As we humble ourselves before God, he gives us his grace. As we humble ourselves before God, he leads us by his spirit. As we humble ourselves before God, he leads and guides and gives us his strength. He strengthens our faith. As we humble ourselves before God, he fills us with his blessings. Listen, understand this. Tests and trials Are blessings from God designed to push us to God? Understand and realize this tests and trials are blessings from God. Designed to push us to God. Every time you come into a test of your faith, every time you come into a trial, every time you come into a situation where you're like, man, I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect this. I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm not sure I like this. Every time you sense a time of testing or trial, many of us, if not all of us, are in one of those times right now. Understand and realize that test, that trial in your life has been designed by God, divinely designed by God, and there's a purpose, and that purpose is to push us to God It says, push us to God so that we might depend on him so that we might walk by faith in him so that he may lead so that we can follow so often our enemy comes in those times of testing and trials and he tempts us with all kinds of lies because that's all he can do to turn away from God and there are times where we listen and we turn away and we believe the lies we take the bait which always leads us in a very, very, very bad <laughs> direction. We need to understand and remind ourselves, okay, Father, I get it, I get it. God, help me. Help me remember. Help me understand this day, this week. God, help me because I know, I know that I'm in a trial. I know when like I'm going to be facing a trial. So help me understand, Father, when, when those times come and when my faith is tested by someone, when my faith is tested by that one, that I work near by that one uh, that God, you know, my faith is tested. Help me to remember and understand that 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 time has a divine appointment by you. You've divinely designed that and you're wanting that time to push me to you because you have something that you want to do in and through me in that time. You got a way that you want me to respond in that time and if I'm not pushed to you, I'm not going to, Make the most of that time, because if, I'm, if I allow that time to push me and I depend on you, then Father God, you're going to strengthen me to do what I, you want me to do in that time. We need to understand. Look at our trials and tests differently than the way our enemy wants us to look at them. And sometimes the challenging part, sometimes those trials and tests seemingly last forever. And yet, when they do last a long time, we find that our God. Is faithful every step of our way, amen? He's always faithful. Third truth we see here in this passage is God meets our needs. God knows our needs. God knows when we have needs and God meets our needs. God met Samson's need. He did what only he could do. He struck a hollow place in the ground and he gave Samson water. God met Samson's need. God met Elijah's need. As you read on in that example of Elijah we talked about, Elijah ultimately ended up Uh, Under a tree before the father praying that he would die and elijah God met elijah's need by giving him food and water and rest God meets all our needs God meets our physical needs. God meets our spiritual needs God meets all of our needs his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I want you to see here in this passage, again, let's reflect for just a moment. We see it here clearly in this passage, but it's a reflection of what we've learned already at this point. God had been at work in Samson's life. God had been at work in Samson's life. From his calling from birth, from his godly parents, from giving him strength to kill the lion and to kill the 30 Philistines at Ashkelon, to kill the 1,000 Philistines at Leah, from by giving him water from the ground, literally striking a hollow place in the ground and giving him water to drink and to revive and to restore and to renew him. God had been at work in Samson's life all the way through his life. Great things were happening for Samson because God was at work in and through Samson even in the times where Samson didn't recognize and know or want God's work in his life. Now understand, the same is true for you and me. God has been at work in our lives. He's been at work in our lives. He's been at work in your life. He's been at work in my life. As we reflect on our lives, God's been at work in our lives. God has been, work, been at work in us, blessing us and directing us and strengthening us and meeting all of our needs. God has been at work in our lives. The evidence of his work in our lives is that we are here this morning together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus and we're receiving what he has for us because before time began, God knew each one of us would be here because we need to be here because that's according to his appointment for us because he's got stuff for us to learn so that we can apply it in our lives so that we can share it with one another and those God places around us. That's just awesome to think about. God has been at work in our lives. The good and the bad, the trials and the tests and the victories and the blessings, the mountaintops and the valleys and every step in between. But listen now, great things are happening in our lives because God is at work in and through us. When we recognize his work in our lives, when we want his work in our lives, when we go with his work in our lives and even those moments and times when we don't recognize his work in our lives. He's at work. He's a sovereign, almighty God. God. He's at work in us, just as he was at work in Samson. He's at work in you and me. And as Samson cried out to God, God met all his needs. As we cry out to God, God meets all our needs. I want you to see just a few points about God's provision that we see here. A few points about God's provision. Number one, God wants us to remember his provision. He wants us to remember his provision. God wants us to remember how he has met our needs in the past. Number two, God wants us to recognize his provision. God wants us to see when and how he meets our needs in the present. Number three, God wants us to rely on his provision. God wants us to trust that as he has provided for us in the past, as he is providing for us today, he'll provide for us in the future. Remember, listen, life is not about what we have. Life is not about who we are. Life is about who we have. That's what life is about. It's about who we have. Listen, life is not about the jawbone of a donkey, a a sling and a stone or some PowerPoint where we're trying to worship the Lord. Life is about the God who uses the jawbone of a donkey, the sling and a stone, the PowerPoint and all the other blessings in our lives to do his work in and through us. When our enemy tries to take and steal from us, our Father God is always at work in us he's meeting our needs. God wants us to rely on his provision. And then fourth, God wants us to rejoice in his provision. God wants us to rejoice that he is the provider. He is the great I am. God wants us to rejoice and thank him for all his blessings in our lives. Man, we could all run to the altar. We could all fall to our knees right now and continually just cry out to God and thanks to God and spend the entire week and we wouldn't list all that God has blessed us with. So why won't we be more willing more ready to thank him that's what he wants that's what he wants you know this is parents when we bless our kids what do we want we want our kids to be blessed what do we want as well we want our kids to rejoice in the blessings we want our kids to recognize those blessings we want our kids to realize the grace and the love that motivated those blessings And when we see that our children receive those blessings and they get the grace and the love that motivated those blessings, what do we want to do? We want to bless them more. It's our awesome Father. It's a generous God. He wants us to remember His blessings, to recognize them, to rely on them, to rejoice in them. Why? Because He wants us to understand and realize it's coming from Him, the God of all grace and love. And when we recognize him and we cry out to him and we express our praise for him and our thanks to him, what does he want? He wants to bless us more. That's who he is. He's our good, good father. And we are loved by him. And we see that day after day after day. Four point, God blesses us in amazing ways. God blessed Samson in amazing ways. Listen now. God pursued Samson because he loved Samson. God provided for Samson because he loved Samson. God called Samson because he loved Samson. God strengthened Samson because he loved Samson. God strengthened Samson to fulfill his purposes for Samson because he wanted Samson to be used by him to accomplish his purposes for him. God strengthened Samson to fulfill his purposes for Samson because God loved Samson. God strengthened Samson, and God blessed Samson in spite of Samson. Even in those times where Samson walked away from God in sin again and again and again, God continued to bless Samson in spite of Samson because God loved Samson. And I would love to tell you this morning, I wish I could tell you this morning, let me just share, if chapter 15 was the end of Samson's story, it would be a fantastic ending. It'd be a fantastic ending. Samson Turned to God, finally, in his time of need, Samson acknowledged that God was the one who gave him the strength and the victories that he had won. Samson acknowledged he was God's servant. Samson cried out in desperation to God, and God answered his prayer. Samson rejoiced in God's answers to prayer. Samson named two places in honor of God to remind him and all the Israelites of God's answers to prayer, God's power, and God's provision in their lives. But chapter 15 is not the end of Samson's story. Chapter 16 is the end of Samson's story. Understand this. God blesses us in amazing ways. God has saved us by his grace. God has created us in his image. God has filled us with his spirit. God pursues us because he loves us. God provides for us because he loves us. God calls us to his purposes because he loves us. God strengthens us for his purposes because he loves us. God loves us in spite of us. God loves us in those moments when we turn away from him into sin again and again and again. God loves us by convicting us so that we will confess our sins to him. God loves us and forgives us when we confess our sins to him so that we might be restored to him. God loves us loves you and God loves me. God is blessing us in amazing ways. And the exciting news for us this morning, the amazing news for us this morning, the great news for us this morning, the awesome news for us this morning is simply this. God is still writing our story. God is still writing your story and God is still writing my story. God is still writing our stories. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's gone on in the past. I want you to understand and realize our Almighty God is still writing your story. Our God is not a God of shame. Our God is not a God of guilt. Our God is not a God who puts us down and beats us down. Our God is not a God of discouragement. Our God is not a God of despair. Our God is not a God who just leaves us alone by ourselves so that we'll struggle day after day, moment by moment. No, our God is a mighty God. Our God loves us. Our God cares for us. Our God is with us. Our God is watching over us. Our God is working in us and through us and around us. And our God has what's best in store for you and for me. So let's walk in obedience to God. Let's walk by faith in God, and let's run to God in the tests and trials of our lives. Let's run to God day by day, every step of our way, so that we will be blessed by God, strengthened by God, and so that we will be able to be used by God in his work, not only in our lives, but in his work in one another's lives right here, and in his work in all those he places around us. Listen, God is worthy of everything we are and everything we have. Every day, in every way, every step of our way. He's worthy. He wanted Samson to understand, Samson, all that you're looking for is found in me. And for us, God is reminding us again this morning, all that we need All that we desire, all that we are looking for that we think will satisfy our needs, all those things and more is found in our Father God. He's worthy of everything we are and everything we have. He blesses us in amazing ways. He is blessing us today. He is blessing us right now, right here in these moments. So let's receive his blessings and let's share his blessings with one another and let's look forward to sharing his blessings with all those he is gonna bring our way the minute we step out of these doors. Hey, let's start praying. Let's start looking forward to who and how we're gonna bless those folks. God, be with those folks in the hallway. They're gonna get blessed. They're going to get loved. Why? why? Because there's a group of folks in here that are going to get some practice in just a moment on one another. You see, God wants us to practice on each other because we're here together. This is God's time and God's teaching for us. So we're going to practice it. We're going to respond to him in obedience to him. And then when he lets us out, look out. Look out. Let's go. Let's go and let's Share, and let's show that we get it, that we're blessed by God, and that we cannot wait to extend those blessings to all those God bl- brings our way. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team.